end of the season, that's a pretty good reason for me to be headed down south, down to Laguna Madre, cruising over the causeway. There's nobody here, the coast is all clear. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith welcoming everybody into episode 583 of SEI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Thank you so much for being here, as there's no place I'd rather be than talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you. Uh, thanks to SCI, our title sponsor, as well as our presenting sponsor, Mossberg Firearms. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, back from vacation, man, we had a great time at the beach. I tell you what, took the kiddos on a guided fishing trip with our old pal uh, Eric Renteria, and we didn't catch a lot of keepers, but the kids didn't care. Eric told me that the fishing had been rough, uh, but the girls, this is their first trip, guided trip they've ever been on, and I was loading up the truck last uh, last week. I put my fishing poles in the truck because I was going to do some wade fishing on my own, and Frankie, one of the twins, said, with tears in her eyes, Dad, where's my pole? And I was like, I'm not bringing your pole. And she just started crying. I was like, what is wrong? She didn't understand that a guided trip comes with the poles already on the boat. <laughs> and it was like a rinse and repeat moment with Stella, her doppelganger, like an hour later. I was just like, girls, girls, okay, let me explain it. Captain Eric will have the poles. He'll even put the shrimp on the hook for you and hand it to you. And that's, oh, poor, poor things. But... Man, they had a blast. They did, they loved putting the shrimp on the hooks probably more than they did the fishing. Um, but we caught trout, redfish. Henry caught a stingray. Stella caught a nice trout. Frankie somehow hooked and landed a skipjack all by herself. You should see the smiles on these kids' faces. It was, uh, man, it was, as a dad, um, everything that I hoped it would be and then some. So they're ready to, to go again, already chomping at the bit. And they got they were on to me because I kept telling them, kind of like with duck hunting, you know, however old they were, when they'd ask if they could come, I'd say, no, you've got to be one year older than whatever that number was in last year. I guess they're now to the age where they have that cognitive thought process, and they were like, last year you said six, Dad. Uh, so the gig was up. They got to come. And, uh, and Aaron went with us too, so it was a family affair. And she even uh, learned how to work that bait caster. So... Great trip, um, and we've got a great show lined up for you today, so you know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire, pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos, because off the top, we'll be joined by Representative Tom Oliverson of Cypress, Texas. He is the sponsor and author of HB 957, the Texas Suppressor Freedom Act, which Governor Abbott just signed into law, well, I think it will become a law in September but essentially suppressors manufactured in Texas no longer subject to federal law. So Representative Oliverson will be here to walk us through how that is possible. Are there other precedents with maybe even non-firearm-related issues where states have basically given the feds the middle finger and said, hey, we don't deem your laws as constitutional. Come stop us if you dare. I don't know. Uh, but We'll get into that, and keep in mind, we recorded this before I went on vacation, uh, so prior to Governor Abbott signing this into law, uh, but uh, I think it's very important to understand how Texas 
intends to skirt federal regulations when it comes to suppressors. Uh, so we're looking forward to having Representative Oliverson on here in just a minute. And then we'll spend some time with our old buddy, Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics. And I really don't have a lot like on the run sheet for that conversation. It's always great just to have a, a unscripted chat with one of our oldest friends. I know he just got back from Alaska where he was uh, black bear hunting, so I'm sure we'll get into that. And then Vortex has a couple new products, um, one that I've been using frequently and, and I'm a huge fan of. I'm sure we'll mention that as well. But uh, other than those things, should be just a wide open conversation with Mark. Uh, so pumped about that as well. That's what's on the docket for today. Let's knock out a quick giveaway. Um, I'm holding in my hands right now, uh, and thank you to Stealth Cam for sending this over, but the new Fusion X. This is a um, 26 megapixel wireless cellular trail camera. I don't know what it retails because uh, it's brand spanking new. I don't even know if they're out yet, but I have one. Um, 80 foot detection range and 0.4 second trigger speed. Not bad. It'll send both uh, photos and video right to your app and you can check it on your cell phone. It's awesome. It's the Fusion X from Stealth Cam and we will give this one away to, well, actually everyone's eligible. Just email the word Fusion, that's Fusion, to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. And you are entered into today's Stealth Cam giveaway. Uh, up next, we'll be joined by Texas Representative Tom Oliverson on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Galveston, oh Galveston, I still hear your sea waves crashing while I watch the cannons flashing. My gun and dream of Galveston. Are you ready for some family fun this weekend? Well, come on out to the Ducks Unlimited Expo presented by Purina Pro Plan at Texas Motor Speedway June 25th through the 27th for everything outdoors with interactive villages for shooting, fishing, archery, conservation, dogs, biking, off road vehicles, and music. Buy your tickets today at DucksExpo.com. There's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwaith, Texas, at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer, corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season fishing supplies they've got foods like anchor tea grass-fed beef dublin sodas gourmet sauces and a whole lot more also ace hardware from wall to wall they have it all check it out the mills county general store right there in goldweight texas hi brett jepson here with three curl lease connection i'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of texas best dove hunting just minutes outside of dallas we have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season including milo wheat sunflower and cornfields leases come in different sizes and prices so we can fit anyone's budget we have the lease that's perfect for you and your group we don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come please visit us at threecurl.com and click on leases for your property listings that's t-h-r-e-e-c-u-r-l.com Sounding things 
are fixing to get real good In the honky-tonks, you know I am understood Been to the school of hard knocks and hard wood And things are fixing to get real good There's a little Double D, Daryl Dodd, bringing us back Things are fixing to get real good that one and they are fixing to get real good right here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you as always. We've got some great news to uh, dive into next with Texas Representative Tom Oliverson of Cyprus. But before we do that, this segment of the presentation brought to you by Mossberg Firearms and the Patriot lineup in every caliber from 22 to 50 on up to dangerous game that one would take to Africa, uh, so on and so forth. And they've got synthetic stocks. They've got walnut, beautiful walnut wood, like my 300 Win Mag, if you want that. Basically, they've got something for everybody, whatever your heart desires. They're rugged, reliable, hardworking firearms that the working man can afford. And you can find the entire Patriot lineup at MossbergFirearms.com. All right, with that being said, let's bring on our first guest today to get into HB 957. It is my pleasure to welcome Texas Representative Tom Oliverson to the show. Thank you, Cable. It's really good to be with you. I appreciate being invited onto your show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So you're you're joining us from work. Um, you are an uh, anesthesiologist, is that correct? That's right. That's right. I've been a, a, a anesthesiologist in the Houston area for the last 15 years. Okay. And uh, And I like to tell people now that I'm in politics, too, that I have more than one way of making you sleepy. I can talk to you, talk to you, and if that doesn't work, I have stronger methods. <laughs> Great, that's awesome. Um, well, before we discuss HB nine five seven, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, now, do you yeah. hunt or uh, shoot? I do. Frequently? Yeah, I I do all of the above. Um, I love to hunt. I I was actually born in Minnesota. We moved to the Houston area when I was five, so. I've also done a lot of fishing in my life, um, you know, everything from redfish uh, and specks here on the coast to uh, northern pike and ice fishing up north and uh, oh, yeah. walleye. Um, and recently on Lake Conroe, I, I caught, uh, we didn't weigh them, we probably should have, but there's a there's plenty of pictures on Twitter, uh, just a record largemouth bass that I, I don't have any idea. I mean, it was just the biggest bass i've ever seen in my life the thing was huge like sherlocker um, big like 13 pounds the guide said he thought somewhere around 11 pounds oh wow that's awesome so i mean i could have put my fist you know probably both both fists in his mouth it was just enormous i've, I've yeah. never seen a large mouth that big but wow. uh yeah i've i hunt um i haven't actually gone in the last couple of years but uh i do like to hunt um you know, deer, um, quail, dove. I've been, uh, the only thing I've not done yet, uh, is turkey hunting in Texas. I've been mm-hmm. goose hunting, duck hunting, quail, dove. Uh, I love hog hunting. I actually, my, my, uh, two favorite rifles in my double safe arsenal. Uh, one is a 300 blackout, uh, AR made by, um, Mr. Noveski himself before he passed away. Oh, wow. And uh, has a, that was actually my first suppressor was mm-hmm. made for that rifle. Um, that's a really good hog gun. But I also 
have a 4570 lever action Marlin brush gun that's got sort of the the ghost ring side on the front, stainless steel. Um, and that thing is a beast. I mean, yeah. you can, whatever you hit with that knows it's been hit by something large <laughs> yeah. and probably isn't getting back up again. <laughs> I love those Marlin lever actions. I uh, just recently acquired my grandfather's for my cousin. He doesn't hunt and um, he was more interested. I traded him a self-defense shotgun for it. So I think I made yeah. out in that deal, but uh, yeah, it was That's cool. That's awesome. To, to get that you know uh, i i don't know how many of your listeners know this but um the 4570 government was actually teddy roosevelt's preferred hunting round he was quite a, mm. a hunter and uh as outdoorsman as well and um that that is that round has just uh withstood the test of time like nothing you've ever seen i mean probably secondary only to maybe the 30 odd six that 4570 yeah. is just uh you can go anywhere in North America and hunt anything pretty much you need to with that. I'm sure he took that to Africa as well. And, um, yeah, hunted probably dangerous game over there. Yeah. I was reading one of his, um, autobiographies and sometimes Teddy didn't even take the 4570. He just took a knife and went and killed mountain lions with it. They used to hunt, uh, hunt them with hounds and, you know, we still do that today. That's right. We don't really dispatch them with, with knives like he would go in and do so. Yeah, he was a real. It is man. interesting <laughs> when you think about how hunting has evolved when you read some of his stories. The other one that kind of blows me away uh, is uh, he was hunting somewhere near Lano. I think actually, probably based on the description, you know, he's a very descriptive writer. Yeah. It sounds like he was kind of near Lano State Park, but um, he went he went at night with his brother, and they were shooting turkeys out of the tree while they were roosting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, conservation's like, come yeah, a long way. Yeah, I can't do that anymore. Then. Yeah, but right. but he is the the godfather of of modern day conservation. Mm -hmm. um, but it's great to visit with a, a politician who, much like Teddy, uh, hunts and shoots. And um, I know a lot of them uh, are certainly pro Second Amendment, but I don't know how right. many of you guys actually uh, partake. And you know, a lot of it's like time. You guys are so busy. You have a career and your politics. Uh, so obviously a lot of irons in the fire. Um, I recently got my first two suppressors, took about six months, which was on the short end of the stick. I was thrilled to get them in such a short amount yeah, of time. But you were lucky. You know, yeah. Uh, expensive ATF tax stamp to acquire them. Now, historically, the National Firearms Act of 1934 mandated that all suppressors be approved and registered with the ATF. And, I, you know, this article I was reading um, said a lot of that had to do with, with gang and uh, the mafia and stuff like that. Shootings like the Valentine's day massacre, which I guess there was a lot of backlash to, to those shooting sprees. It seems like it's been the same way for so long. Uh, now we have here in 2021, your bill HB nine five seven would theoretically make suppressors manufactured in Texas exempt from federal law. Now it seems that's like right. that's a great idea. Obviously I'm hundred percent for it. But how it seems like there'd be a lot of hoops to jump through to make that uh, reality. How do you how do you bypass federal law? Yeah, well, I mean, the short answer is you really can't um, completely. But what uh, you can what you can do is you can opt out of local state resources being used. And that's well-established uh 
precedent. The Supreme Court has actually ruled in favor of the states in four separate cases going all the way back to the 1830s. It's called the anti-commandeering doctrine. And basically the idea is if the state believes that a federal law is unconstitutional, um, it doesn't have to wait for the Supreme Court to act. It can basically declare that, uh, pass a law at the state level saying that state and federal law enforcement resources cannot and will not be used in enforcing this particular federal law. And when they do that, essentially, they take away about 80% of the regulation, because statistically speaking, about 80% of law enforcement activity around federal law is performed by local and state resources, local and state law enforcement agencies. So it's not a, um, a minor thing. It's a pretty significant decrease. Now, um, Going back to what you had said earlier, I, so I was always told that the, uh, and I'm sure you've probably heard this too, that the suppressors were kind of added to the NFA um, mainly because of concern of, of poaching um, and, and hunting illegally. Suppressors historically have an insanely low rate of use uh, in criminal activity. I, right. The statistic I saw was that we could only find four cases in the history of the NFA where a suppressor was actually used in a criminal activity. Um, it's just not. But the thing that really got my attention and the reason that we sort of move forward with this, um, there was a study that was published that uh, you may be familiar with in 2014 by the CDC in combination with NIOSH, which is the National Organization of uh, or institute of I'm sorry it's a national institute of occupational safety and health mm -hmm. and they were looking at reducing permanent hearing loss for folks that work in and around gun ranges and firearms and training and their number one recommendation was the use of firearm suppressors whenever possible mm -hmm. um and I thought my goodness there it is you know we now so we have the ATF that that classifies these as dangerous devices, even though, you know, over almost a hundred years worth of case law would say that they're not dangerous right. devices because they're not actually used in criminal activity. Uh, and then on top of that, you have a second federal agency declaring that they're not, they're a safety device. So, mm -hmm. you know, is it a dangerous device? Is it a safety device? Well, the state of Texas should say that it's a safety device and not a dangerous device. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's kind of why we went in the direction. So the bill does a couple of really interesting things. In addition to prohibiting the federal uh, laws from being enforced using state and local resources, which, which is significant, uh, as you pointed out, it also um, establishes basically a, a, a safe harbor for suppressors that would be manufactured in the state of Texas um, using materials here in the state of Texas. It already takes into account sort of this, you know, proposed workaround. Well, you know, well, the steel didn't come here. So it, it sort of says, you know, raw materials are um, obviously, we're not going to force you to mine the iron ore or the, uh, you know, from some hill here in Texas and then refine right. it into steel here. But the point is, is if you begin with the basic raw materials and you manufacture a device here in Texas and you stamp it made in Texas, we declare that that does not violate the interstate commerce clause or cannot be regulated 
by the Interstate Commerce Clause. And it actually requires the attorney general of the state to, upon receiving information that a manufacturer in Texas intends to manufacture devices according to the provisions of the law, requires the attorney general to go to federal court and seek a declaratory judgment that this does not violate uh, federal law or the Constitution. So mm. it's essentially declaring that Texas is going to do this, um, and we want basically the court to agree that this is not a violation of federal law. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Now, would that mean that there would no longer be a $200 tax stamp? That's right. A, so you, okay. you would have that option. Now, I, I mean, I want to be clear to all your listeners, too, because I want everybody to understand what you're getting into. Um, there is one other state where this has been done. I believe it was Kansas. Yeah, in fact, I'm pretty sure it was Kansas. There was a, a gentleman there who actually was prosecuted by the ATF under federal law, even though the state basically opted out. Um, and so, you know, it's still technically against federal law until they actually remove the device from the NFA, which I think is the purpose of the, the Hearing Protection Act at the federal level that they've been trying to pass for several years. But if you think about how states have basically preempted other things that um, marijuana, you know, like marijuana, mind. right, yeah. exactly. I think cable, that's the, the perfect one is marijuana, right? Yeah. So Colorado says, you know, we don't think this should be a controlled substance. So, you know, if you want to send agents in here to do whatever, knock yourself out, but we're not going to help you. Mm -hmm. And the feds kind of lose interest at that point because they are so dependent on state and local resources to be able to do it. But to be clear, I mean, in theory, you're still technically breaking a federal law. Mm -hmm. They could still prosecute you under federal law, although we make it clear that it would not be a violation of the Interstate Commerce Clause, which is a step farther than others have gone in the past. Okay. Um, and the part about the Attorney General having to get a declaratory judgment ahead of time, hopefully kind of resolve some of those things. Um, so I don't know, like if I was a, if I was a, a class three license holder, I'm not sure I would immediately jump out there and try to be a manufacturer of these devices mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you could be risking your class three license right, for right. other things. Right. But, wow. you know, that would not preclude somebody else from manufacturing these devices and an individual purchasing them and then essentially keeping them in their possession, hunting with them, going to the shooting range with them, using them. And then I guess you'd have to, you know, the ATF would basically have to somehow become aware that you actually had one of these devices mm -hmm. so before they could the, even take yeah. action against you. So it's right. not, it's not a perfect thing from a standpoint of there's no way for the state to basically prohibit the federal government from enforcing federal law. As far as we can go is to just say, look, this, this is not a crime in the state. We think this is an inappropriate federal law. So we object, we opt out. You can't use our resources to enforce it. And furthermore, we don't believe the interstate commerce clause applies here either. So we think you're on very shaky footing if you come to our state and try to enforce this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as far as the, the safety aspect, I mean, there's times where I'm in the elk woods with my buddy and he's like, did you hear that bugle? Or did, did you hear that turkey gobble? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't hear anything. It's because, you know, years of, of abuse of shooting. And as I got older, I started wearing hearing protection, but the damage was, was, was already done. Those suppressors that I have now are a game changer. And when I think about my kid, like 
They also reduce recoil, which makes you a better shot if you're not, you know, better shooting sure. habits. All of these things play into the equation there. Um, it passed in the Senate on party lines, 18 to 31. The House actually got some bipartisan support from some Democrats, 95 to 51. I was a little surprised by that. I was not. Um, and so let me say a couple of things about that. So this is actually the second time we filed this bill. We passed it out of the House in 2019, and we had bipartisan support as well. And it died in the Senate. Um, they just didn't want to take it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so fortunately, some shuffling of the deck chairs and more friendly committee placements and things like that. Uh, once the bill got a hearing in the Senate, they had, as you pointed out, it was an 18 to 13 uh, decision. They, they had the support to pass it, um, but it was one of these things last session where we didn't get it moving in the Senate because the people who were in a position to move it or not move it as uh, you know, the chairs of the committees and stuff, they were not necessarily big fans of the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, in the House, though, I would tell you that uh, the House is actually, in my opinion, much stronger on the Second Amendment. Uh, and to your point, we have probably about 15, 12, 15 Democrats. Most of all, I think almost all of them represent districts that are south of I-10 and heading all the way down to the border. Um, you know, to your point, I mean, you said it's nice to talk to somebody who appreciates the shooting sports and actually gets out there and hunts and fishes and stuff like that. I mean, that that is a that is a South Texas thing, and um, and those reps are definitely representing their districts. Those those folks they may be Democrat and party, but um, they are they, you know they enjoy the Second Amendment themselves. I tell you, uh, Chairman Terry Canales, for example, um, from down in the Valley area, he's the chair of transportation, Democrat he has more guns than anyone I've ever met in my life. I mean, that, that guy likes to collect uh, firearms. Uh, He's a great shot, uh, loves to hunt and fish um, and just enjoys the shooting sports like you've never seen. So it is kind of interesting when you think about it, that you would have this group of Democrats that are so enmeshed. I I had another Democrat um, who came up to me while I was laying the bill out last time in the hearing and he was asking questions about the bill and I was trying to answer his questions. I was like thinking, Oh, is he helping me? Is he hurting me? And finally he, he just leaves the mic. He comes up to me and he whispers in my ear and he says, look, I own one of these devices. I'm just trying to figure out, is this bill making it easier for me to get a second one or is it making it harder? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, good for you. Yeah. So, oh. so yeah, the Second Amendment definitely uh, is beloved uh, by a lot of our, our House members. Uh-huh. And uh, I will say one other thing with that was interesting. Uh, I had a great Senate sponsor this time, who's my former desk mate, uh, Drew Springer, Senator Springer. Mm. And, uh, and that guy's also an avid outdoorsman. In fact, uh, the last time he and I went hunting together, we were alligator hunting. Um, and it was, uh, it was very much a swamp people kind of, you know, shooting, where, where are we all shooting alligator hunting thing. at? Uh, around Galveston Bay okay. area there, kind of up, up near, um, uh, Mont Bellevue. Okay. I've taken kinda a couple just... alligators close to you up around, uh, Winnie. Um, oh yeah. Well, this wasn't that, that far. Yeah. Okay. Kind of in that same, uh, Chambers County sort of area. Cedar Bayou, I think is what they call it up there. 
Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So we were I'm trying to remember exactly where we were, but um, not too far from Mont Bellevue. Kind of did right, you get a right gator? Around there. I did actually. Nice. Um, it's amazing to me that the, that you, you know, all you need there is a 22 Magnum. Um, but it needs to be a well-placed shot. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and that, and that's what you need for gator hunting. But yeah, I got, I got a, he's probably about, uh, eight and a half, nine foot long gator. Nice. And, uh, so it was, you know, not, not like enormous, but good size. It was a good first hunt. I think yeah. a lot of people are lucky to, to get one the first time out and, and certainly lucky to hit it on the first shot. Right. Right. Because uh, they're all thrashing around and everything. It's not like they're oh, holding it's a, still. It's a trip for sure. I, I <laughs> actually got mine turned into some boots. So you want to talk about a, a great conversation piece? Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, I'm actually absolutely. walking around in this thing that I shot. And, uh, <laughs> That's right. That's yeah, exactly and right. Too. So, so, uh, so Springer was a great, uh, he was, he's a great ally. Um, he is, he's actually done stuff on suppressors before himself legislatively he's been there a couple more sessions than i have but he was my desk mate last session so this session we um we were like hey let's let's do suppressor freedom again only this time you can you can i can hand off to you in the senate and you can carry it home and he's like yeah let's do it um he actually got some questions uh, that i had never even gotten in the senate which was whether or not you know law enforcement in a lot of our urban areas now installs these sensor devices on telephone poles that detect a gunshot. Mm. And so the Democrats allege that, well, if we let you have a suppressor that's unregistered, you know, then you won't, these devices won't be able to hear the gunshot. Well, it was interesting because Senator Springer's went to the website and he actually found that in fact, the manufacturer's explanation of their own device says that in fact, they can hear suppressed gunfire that it, mm. it's capable of detecting that so um, that was a little bit of, of falsehoods there and these but, things are uh, on telephone wires they, to do. they they said they're put up on like light poles and telephone poles oh. and stuff like that it's some sort of I never sensor that. device i yeah. i had never heard of that either but not that i'm that's... firing off my 45 in the neighborhood but i yeah, i had no <laughs> that's idea right. that's uh that's right interesting huh um so this thing it's uh it would prevent the local and state agencies from enforcing federal law okay that's great right and that would so, include the game wardens as well okay um why now like it's interesting that you introduced it in 2019 as well but we, it seems like we've seen across the country due to the biden administration just the threat of them attacking the second amendment i'm, I'm sure you found some hilarity in the uh chipman hearing a couple weeks ago when he refused <laughs> to define what an AR 50 or an, what an assault rifle is. Yeah. It probably doesn't even know. It's just yeah. a politician um, term. Right. But we've seen it across the country on the state level of, of not, not um, always dealing with suppressors, but constitutional carry other pro gun legislation, because I think when people say we want to take your guns, I, I think they mean yeah. it. And it's ignorant to think, oh, it's just lip service. No, if they're saying that, that's what they want to do. So, yeah, Cable, I completely agree with you. I think that's exactly right. And and to your point, I think then it becomes very natural response for not only voters, but also the people that they elect to represent them to naturally respond to that with a sense of, well, I'm going to protect my Second Amendment turf even more vigorously than I normally would. And I'm mm -hmm. going to be 
very open to uh, ways that we can kind of expand our freedoms and our protections and reassert um, the importance of these constitutionally guaranteed rights because mm-hmm. of the threat, right? I wouldn't necessarily be thinking about it because I'm not worried that maybe the Trump administration is going to come and give me a hard time. Right. But I definitely think the Biden administration might. So now is the time where we have to legislatively, through lawmaking, really assert uh, those rights and, and just make it clear that, yeah. hey, don't mess with Texas. No doubt about that. And Governor Abbott actually signed HB 957 along with uh, constitutional carry and quite a few other uh, pro-Second Amendment related uh, bits of legislation. He signed them all at the Alamo last week. So uh, I can't think of a more fitting location for that type of celebration. Um, Representative Oliverson, you've been very generous with your time. Enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for uh, jumping on. And I look forward to talking with you again somewhere on down the line. Thank you, Cable. It's been a pleasure to be on your show and uh, happy to come back anytime, my friend. Thank you so much. Okay. God bless. Take care. All righty. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, there he goes. Representative Tom Oliverson of Cypress, Texas. Great stuff there. Uh, certainly appreciate him sponsoring and you know drafting that bill. Uh, so important. And we'll see if the feds have the stomach for that fight. Who knows? But uh, precedents have been set. That segment brought to you by Hawk Tree Stands. You can find their entire lineup of hangers, climbers, and ladder stands right there at hawkhunting.com. We'll be right back with our buddy Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful way. Our night vision and thermal imaging has been helping hunters light up the night for over a decade now. I've been with them for quite some time, back in the early days. Thermal optics were pretty expensive. You might not realize it, though. The average guy can get into a thermal rifle scope these days very affordably. I've got the Thermion XP50. Absolutely love that scope. It's got a diverse color palette, lots of options to choose from, whether you want white hot, uh, black hot, red hot, you name it. There's tons of options, literally. It's got internal recording as well, and it's got internal and external battery options. So you can hunt all night without having to worry about running out of batteries. You can find the Thermion XP50 as well as their entire lineup of thermal and night vision optics right there at PulsarNV.com. Spawn is right around the corner. Your reels have been re-spooled and the tackle box is ready to roll. But the question is, can your truck handle another season of pulling your boat in and out of the water every weekend? Call David Boone at Third Coast Diesels. He'll make sure your truck is not what sinks your next fishing trip. Offering a widespread array of diesel parts and services, call 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com today. We were high on Tulsa heat and lost in lonesome sound. We got wrecked on love in the heavens above. Now we're back on broken ground. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Hi, I'm Tulsa Heat. The name of that one from John Moreland. Uh, thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mossberg Firearms, as well. Thanks to you guys for being here. As we're all set to visit with a longtime friend of the program, Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics, but 
before Mark joins us, this segment is proudly brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'm a proud member, and I'd like you to, at the very least, just check out what SCI is all about, and that is conservation, protecting your rights as hunters, and educating the non-hunting public on the reality that, that hunting is indeed conservation. So science over emotions, right? For more info, just head over to safariclub.org. All right. Uh, well, let's bring him on right now. One of our certainly more frequent guests over the past what, 10 years or so, uh, our longtime friend, Mark Boardman over at Vortex Optics. Thanks for being here, man. Always a pleasure. Cable, no. Appreciate it, man. It's been too long. I miss you. Yeah, absolutely. I was starting to feel uh, a little slighted because you weren't returning my texts or emails and, you know, come to find out you're off gallivanting around in Alaska again. Yeah, I was, I was a little bit out of pocket there. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, like you said, hopefully that's a, a good enough excuse. But yeah, I was oh, up of course. in Southeast Alaska with some buddies of mine who uh, coincidentally, I mean, they're in the radio game as well. So they, they host uh, ESPN Outdoor Line Radio out of Seattle. Oh, cool. If any, if any of uh, your audience is interested in some uh, kind of like uh, Pacific Northwest uh, salmon hunting, fishing info, uh, that's a good one. But yeah, super good guys. So yeah, we we're just uh, up there chasing bears around for the week and doing a little bit of fishing and uh, it was a good time. Yeah, so I'm jealous. It seems like every spring we talk and you're either coming back or making plans to go to Alaska. How many times have you been? Oh man, super fortunate. Um, you know, I grew up, you know, my dad had a lot of buddies up there, so I didn't even know how good I had it. So I used to fish up there a lot as a kid. And then I think I've hunted it though, you know, as, as an adult, um, like four or five times, something like that for a couple, uh, two, couple times for Sitka blacktails, which is a really cool hunt. Um, a couple times for black bears. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's good, man. I, I love it up there. One time, and I remember this was a few years back, but uh, you lost your blacktail to a bear, didn't you? Yeah, that was a pretty wild hunt, man. It was definitely like really skinny on the deer. Uh, there just were not a lot of deer, but there were a lot of bears. And and so, yeah, we hung my my deer off of like kind of like a, a cliff face, if you will. Um, and I mean, I still it was still like the best spot to do it uh -huh. but uh it still didn't work and, and they got it from us so that was <laughs> so yeah one of my uh a guy that used to design my guns he he built me a nice seven mag he went on a diy caribou hunt up there and i can't remember mm -hmm. which part of alaska he was in but uh they shot four bulls and lost all but 40 pounds of the meat to grizzlies unbelievable man that yeah. is so crazy you know then you, you just you know, I personally worry and I don't know how much merit there is to it, but like, then you don't want to like train these bears like, oh yeah, there's people, you know, free food. Like, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, you oh, just, yeah. you're not creating like a future bad situation when something like that happens. Yeah. Well, and they, you know, he had like a 357, I don't remember what caliber handgun and he would shoot it like at the bear's feet and the bear just didn't care. So these bears had clearly been in contact with humans before. And it's in a, it was in an, uh, a region where it was um, tribal lands, you know, native, um, I guess the, maybe the Inuits. Um, but anyway, they didn't kill bears there. They didn't hunt any, none were ever harvested. So they kind of had a free pass, no pressure. And oh, just were, you know, acclimated to, to hunters and realized, oh, hey, the buffet's here. So, 
you know? <laughs> like you got to hand it to them, you know, I yeah. mean, uh, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty smart move. Yeah. Um, so did you end up getting a black bear? So I did. Yeah. I'm uh, super fortunate shot a really nice bear. Um, he's a little bit rubbed up, which I, I knew he was a little bit rubbed when I shot. He's probably a little bit more rubbed, you know, than I thought, but you know, totally mature boar. Um, a really cool thing up, up where we're at is, you know, and with a lot of bear hunts, as you know, I mean, you check your bear in, uh, they take some measurements, they pull a tooth, things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, I didn't realize the bear was as big as it was, but it was a pretty, it was a solid bear. The skull went uh, 20 and a 16th when the person oh, wow. checked the bear in, you know, but that's one of the measurements that they take. So, um, that was pretty cool. And yeah, I mean, um, what is Boone and Crockett on a black bear 20 inches? I think like 20 for like the, the annual book or something like that. And 21 mm-hmm. for the all time. But, okay. um, so, but yeah, it was so big. Yeah. Nice. Definitely bear. mature boar. I'll, I'll be curious to, um, you know, call back. I need to call back and find out when you can find out, but, um, you know, get the age on that bear from, from the tooth that they pulled. Cause it'll be interesting to, you know, con, you know, I guess contrast that with, you know, that measurement and how, you know, was it, was it a really old bear? Was it, you know, like just a average age bear? Like it, I'll be curious to know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess these bears had been out of hibernation for a little while at this point. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think some have probably been out for, you know, since, you know, sometime in April, like we were up there essentially right smack dab in the middle of May. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, you know, in April, you'll probably start seeing some bears up there. uh, And then uh, they kind of continually, you know, keep coming out, but, um, no snow though, huh? Uh, in the high country there was, but not, not down low where we are at. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's on the bucket list. I gotta, I gotta make the trek to Alaska because you know, the, the financial implications are, are a big limiting factor for a lot of people, but you could do a DIY black bear hunt or like those guys that were hunting caribou, my friends, mm-hmm. or even moose and, you know, all that stuff you can do for under $5,000, which, you know, it's still expensive. Travel is expensive. Logistically, it's a pain in the ass, but, um, it's not like you're spending 30,000 on a, on a bull moose. So, um, right. Well, and if you think, well, even if you draw a moose tag in the lower 48, you're going to have a couple G's just into the, just into the tag. Right. Which, yeah. is, uh, um, <laughs> if you're though, lucky enough to draw one, right. If you're, yeah. Right. You know, so yeah. like you, you got that going against you. So yeah, there's definitely some more economical, but very high adventure, full Alaska experience type things, um, that you can do up there where a person's going to have you know, an absolute blast. And like you said, it's logistically complex. I mean, particularly if you live far away, like you and I do, and a lot of folks, I mean, there's, you know, a lot of layers to the travel, to the travel, to the travel of just getting where you're trying to, you know, hunt Mm -hmm. and then get home and getting meat home and things like that. I mean, there's definitely, you know, it's not as simple as a lot of hunts, but at the end of the day, it's still worth it. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just so beautiful up there and there's just, you know, there's nothing like it. Now, in the part of the Alaska you were hunting, are there brown bear as well? So probably, you know, as the crow flies, not that far away. There are mm-hmm. where we were at. Uh, it's just black bears, which is nice. Yeah, that's cool. I was hunting um, elk in Montana with my buddy and uh, Ty Stubblefield. Um, you probably know Ty. Yeah. Uh, yep. Formerly mm-hmm. born and raised. Now he's with BHA. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, Ty kind of took us to his honey hole and he was like, all right, there's no grizzlies in here. Yeah. 
no, it's cool. Okay. So we don't have to worry about that. It's just black bear. We ran into this guy. It's like so random. We're in the middle of the forest, like three or four miles away from our, our camp. And some dudes walk up, like only people we saw all week. And one of them's like, holy, is that Ty Stubblefield? Like, Because <laughs> he recognized him from the videos. And uh, and they start visiting, and and I thought he was gonna just ask Ty to like sign his elk call or something. But uh, anyway, th- that guy and I have um, followed each other on social media ever since then. Nice guy, and he was like, "Hey, remember wh- where we met in the woods?" And he sent me a picture yesterday of a grizzly bear in a meadow. And he was like, "Yeah, there's there's definitely he was out he was black bear hunting," and I was like, "Ty swore there were no grizzlies." He goes, "This is the second one I'd seen." So they're doing well in the lower lower forty eight. And dude, those, you know, I mean, uh, the, I, they're amazingly cool animals, but they do, they spook me a little bit, man. Like, I yeah. mean, it's definitely in my thoughts when I'm considering, you know, where I'm going to go, you know, and particularly like, you know, like with the family now, you just, and I think also getting older, you're just a little bit more cognizant of your mortality and you're like, right. I don't know, maybe I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think grizzlies are the the one bear or the, the one animal in the lower 48 that I like really have a, a healthy respect for. Like, I'm not worried about getting attacked by a mountain lion or wolves or or anything else, really. Um, black bear, not so much. They're typically going to run from you. But grizzlies, man, those are the one that I'm like, uh, yeah, you better be you better have a healthy level of fear for those things and respect. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Which, I, yeah, I 100% do, you know, and, and like you're talking about, or we we're talking about a little bit earlier, I can't remember if it was on or off air, but it, you know, and again, like you can theorize about these things. I don't have the personal scientific data to back it up or anything, but you, if you've got a, an unhunted population, it does seem um, possible that they're just going to like not have that, you know, maybe a little bit more innate or either learned fear of, of man. Right. You know, so if you you just constantly are learning that there's no consequences to your actions, like, yeah, that's how you're going to behave. Yeah, no, it's certainly a two way street. That's an interesting way to look at it. But, um, uh, we just said we have a healthy respect and some level of fear of these creatures and they need to kind of reciprocate that. (laughs) Otherwise it's a bad deal. (laughs) That's, that's my hope at least. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's, there's no question. They're definitely, you know, need animals and, and, uh, I don't mind that they're on the landscape, but like you said, just gotta be, uh, you know, like you said, respect and, and also, you know, try and make the best decisions you can be when you're out there, uh, yeah. in the same places where they are. Do you want to hunt one someday? Oh, I would for sure. Yeah. 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 So me too. maybe, it's... maybe I'm being, maybe that's, maybe I'm being a hypocrite. I'm like, Hey, leave me alone. I don't want to kill you. Or I don't want you to kill me. I want to kill you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely want to do a brown bear hunt. Um, and I won't discriminate between uh, a grizzly and the lower 48. You know, if they ever give us that opportunity. But like I just said, here's a dude who's sending me pictures of a grizzly where three years ago, Ty, Ty, and Ty hunts there a lot. And he's like, there's no grizzlies here. Well, now there's grizzlies there. So, yeah. And now that we've scattershot Alaskan brown bear hunting that we'll never be able to afford, um, we'll take a break, come back recap turkey season and then uh, possibly take a look at some brand spanking new stuff from vortex that segment of the show brought to you by lone star ag credit land is the one thing they're not making any more of but we all want it whether that's for hunting and fishing running cattle or 
just to get the hell out of the big city. They've been doing this for over 100 years. They'll help you finance your own piece of paradise. You can find them at LoneStarAtCredit.com. We'll be right back with more from Vortex's Mark Boardman on SCI's Lone Star. Reach out your hands, baby, kiss that sky. Who you gonna call when it gets rough? Try it all alone, but you're never gonna be. Hey, hey, outdoor enthusiast, are you ready for some summer fun? Well, then come on out to the Ducks Unlimited Expo, presented by Purina Pro Plan at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend, June 25th through the 27th. The DU Expo is action-packed. It's a three-day event for the whole family. Come see, try, and buy the latest in outdoor products at the largest outdoors expo in the country. The festivities include interactive villages for music, fishing, biking, shooting, 4x4, off-road tracks, dogs, and so much more. The Ducks Unlimited Expo at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend, June 25th through the 27th. Buy your tickets today at DucksExpo.com. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. You thought God was an architect Now you know He's something like a pipe bomb Ready to blow And everything you built It's all for show Goes up There's little Jason Isabel bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show Presented by Mossberg Firearms Cable Smith here with you as always Thanks for dropping by today We're still visiting with Mark Boardman Our old pal from Vortex Optics, but before we dive back into that conversation, this segment is brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants. They've got the new apple scented and flavored line, which if you know anything about deer, they can't resist apples. And when you combine that with Big and J's patented BB Square recipe, it's like double the crack, the deer crack, right? Except for it's good for them, <laughs> like crack for humans. Um, so check it out. You can find Big and J's entire lineup of attractants right there at BigandJ.com. With that being said, Mark, let's talk turkeys, man. I, I know, gosh, it seems like it's so long ago now, but summer's here that turkey season came and went, but really it just wrapped up just over a month ago for a lot of us. So how did your season end up? Man, it was, it, it was good. Um, you know, that, that bear hunt, which like not complaining at all was kind of right in the, the middle of our Turkey season. So that definitely ate up, um, a good chunk of it. And then, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, wife and kids, I was kind of tried to at least be, uh, you know, respectful on kind of like the front end and, and the back end of that. So there's probably a couple of days where I wanted to go out, but I didn't go out, mm-hmm. but I got out. Um, so I drew a first season tag. That's kind of how our, our, te- our seasons are structured. The, the first couple are generally go on the in a draw and hunted with a, a good buddy of mine and uh he's got a really great piece of private that he knows super well so um met up with him and and we hunted and shot a shot a nice bird uh uh essentially right off the roost in the morning so mm. we had uh we're actually we're five for five like it's crazy like i never shoot birds off the roost 
but you know going with him and his place like it's you know he's got a pretty dial there's a good population of birds so we've shot birds off limb essentially five years in a row which is super cool and i didn't think we we're going to do it this year that they kind of went the other way and this this guy looped around um and uh interestingly enough um it was uh, a double so the last year shot big mature double bearded toms which shot oh, nice yeah yeah i Are... i did several years ago i shot a triple bearded jake cable oh that's cool <laughs> i shot my first uh double bearded tom in south texas last year and i came home and i uh i pinned it on a piece of cardboard and used like borax salt to for the fan and the and the beard and i it was done and i left it out there on the back patio for i don't know like a week longer just because i was lazy mm-hmm. and the wind blew it off the table the whole huge piece of cardboard and the dog essentially ate the the double bearded oh no yeah it was, it was a also a 12 inch beard <laughs> <laughs> and i did not beat the dog because i was i wanted to but i was like well who's the dumbass that left this out here essentially on the ground and she didn't even eat it she just licked the salt off of it but it ruined it oh um, so shame on me but uh but yeah that was cool to to see that um double bearded and a triple bearded jake for you wow so that was that was several years ago, but yeah, I didn't know Jake's even would grow three beards. To be frank with you, it was uh, I wasn't expecting it. You know, I was just like, oh, yeah, this bird. You know, that was actually my first year when I moved to Wisconsin. So I got here a little bit late and and just went out to a piece and was like, yeah, I'll buy one of these late season tags and called in a a three pack and they yeah. came into like five yards and you know, of course, their heads are kind of you know weaving in and out and finally one step you know, step far enough away. I'm like, okay, I guess it's you, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. Cause you guys just get the one tag, right? So it's like, it's what, been, what if you would have shot two birds there? Would you have been in violation of the law? So I only had bought one tag for that season, but mm-hmm. actually for some of those latter seasons, there's leftover tags that you can buy one a day. So, mm. I mean, I theoretically could have had multiple tags in my pocket, but yeah. at that time I was like, dude, I don't even know like where I'm going or, you know, I'm just going to throw one tag in my pocket, you know, looking back you know, if I had a couple, it would have been, you sure. know, uh, you know, pretty easy pickings, but, uh, uh, but I was still stoked. I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, like I just got here and I killed a Turkey. This is amazing. <laughs> That's it's like false hope, like with Turkey hunting sometimes. Cause the first Turkey I ever killed was sounds like a lot like, um, that property that you have with your buddy. Cause we set out a decoy in a Sendero in, in the hill country and birds fly off the roost. We're like 75 yards away. Here he just struts right to the decoy. Boom, dead. I'm like, turkey hunting's the easiest thing ever. And it's so great. <laughs> and there's been so many humbling days and hours and moments uh, ever since then. And it's probably been, I don't know, 15 years, 12, 15. I don't know. Lose track of time, but it's been a long time. And I've killed a lot of turkeys since then, but God, sometimes you got to grind for them. Oh yeah, um, they ju- they generally leave me pulling my hair out, but they are. I don't they're not think. smart. They're not smart, but they sure they sure make me think they're smart sometimes. Yes, they're just scared of everything. Uh, yeah. Which, um, but it's all I love, man. There's there's I I find few things actually more just purely fun in the hunting world than chasing turkeys around, man. Yeah. That's that, that's about as good as it gets in my book. So, what subspecies of longbeards have you taken? So, uh, back in my Washington days, um, we'd hunt Rio's. So mm-hmm. I shot 
and Washington's actually a pretty cool state in that um, you can shoot, or at least they have in the state, you've got Easterns on the west side of the state, and then you've got some kind of Rios in the southeast, and then uh, Merriam's in the, in the north, so you kind of, you can really, if a guy wanted to, or a person wanted to, they could, you know, get a good portion of their slam just, just in one state, but, um, but I only hunted uh, Rios there, um, killed some mixed birds when I lived in Nebraska, they kind of have a lot of hybrid birds there, I've heard um, that. Yeah. and then, uh, and that's kind of more on the eastern side but then i i did kill a true merriam's um in the in the pine ridge up in nebraska which is kind of like the northwest corner and then eastern's back here so i got i got three of them which is like not really intentionally necessarily but uh uh-huh. just, you know through just through where i've been at so it's pretty cool um don't uh don't have that uh osceola you know but maybe i'll maybe i'll get to florida someday i don't know well you, you're doing better than me i've only killed rios i've killed a mess of them in texas but I haven't, I haven't hunted any, anywhere else for turkeys, seen them, you know, spring bear hunting or elk hunting, you know, always see Merriam's in the mountains and Colorado and New Mexico. We had this guy on last week who just set the world record for the shortest turkey slam. He killed all four subspecies in 45 hours and he had his own plane. So he was flying. He started in his farm in Alabama, shot an Eastern there, went to Florida, shot an Osceola went to Nebraska to the Pine Ridge, same area that you shot yours in and, uh, got his, um, it was his Merriam's there. Yeah. Uh, and then went up to South Dakota for, uh, the, uh, maybe the Rio What would see what he would have got there. Yeah. It would have been the Rio. Okay. So, yeah. So he killed all four and he wanted to do it in four separate States so that there wasn't any of that interbreeding. So it wouldn't be like pure strain. Yeah. But he said, um, he said he thought the Merriams were the easiest ones to hunt, like the, the least wary. I don't know. You've killed one. What do you think? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't a good turkey hunter, but those <laughs> give me, give me fits up there a little bit. But, uh, I think they do. I think they do gobble more. I think, I think the Merriams and the, and the Rios, I, I think they're just more inclined to gobble and get into it a little bit, at least, at least uh-huh. from, you know, in, in my limited experience with them. But, um, he said Easterns were the hardest. Man, I, I would agree with that. These birds, I, I mean, like, you know, Eric in the office here, man, he's like, I mean, he is a really good turkey hunter and he, you know, kills a pile of those damn things. But man, they just like, you know, they, they'll gobble on the limb a little bit and then they shut up. They just seem wary and finicky and mm. just, yeah, they're, I think they're tough birds. Um, do you like, or do you ever have to resort to just deer hunting turkeys? And by that, I mean, just sitting in a blind because you kind of have them, maybe you have them pattern or maybe just it's a waiting game. I mean, that doesn't appeal to me, but I told you about that story off the air about that Turkey I was after this year. And I ended up just sitting in a pop-up, which I hated. Uh, it was, it was raining a lot of those days, but yeah, I was like, this Turkey is, he's figured me out. He's been pressured. And so now I'm just going to try to ambush him. You know, <laughs> Yes and no. Like generally I'm pretty, you know, like to move around a lot, but you mm-hmm. know, there, there are those times where you're like, man, like nothing's working, nothing's gobbling. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I'll just kind of go to a place where turkeys like to be mm-hmm. and, you know, at least, you know, try and wait something out for a little while, or sometimes you'll, you know, you can wait there for a little bit and the bird will fire up, you know, and then mm-hmm. you can, you know, make a move on them. So, and sometimes I'll do that by napping. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually my nap program. I'll find a nice spot where turkeys like to be. And then, you know, just, you know, get, get a, get a little shut eye. And sometimes you you wake up to a gobble. So. 
uh, I don't think I, I might have. Yeah, actually, I did tell the story on the air one time. So I also had one other screw up during turkey season. I ended up killing two birds, um, but I, I could have like could have killed four. Um, I, no big deal, no sweat. It's been fun <laughs> chasing them. But uh, the other screw up. My buddy and I were at his, we, we left South Texas where I'd shot two birds and he'd shot one. And he, he actually had a, a turkey lease not far from there. It was like an hour away. So we'd run up to his turkey lease. It's like 4,000 acres, giant property. And yeah, I'd never been there. We just set out a decoy in a Sendero, kind of where we think the birds are, or an area they're roosting. So it's getting close to the, you know, it's afternoon. We're just going to wait them out, wait for them to start gobbling and hope they see the decoy in the Sendero. Well, it's freaking 95 degrees. The sun's beating down. So we're, we, we leave where we're sitting and we go across the Sendero to get in the shade. Well, by doing that, we couldn't see down the Sendero. And I was just kind of there sitting there, you know, trying not to get poked by mesquite trees and bitten by ants and maybe catch a nap. And I look up and this damn gobbler is standing right at my decoy, just strutting. <laughs> and he's 10, he's, I, I'm not saying 10 yards. He's 10 feet away from me. And so I like, oh my reached down to grab my shotgun and he's like, oh, out of here. <laughs> yeah, we didn't see another turkey on his place, but uh, yeah, he caught us with our pants down for sure. Oh my gosh. See, that's just one of those things where you're like, ah, it's so close, you know? Mm -hmm. no, but he never gobbled. He just came in quiet and we couldn't see, like, if we just stayed where we were, we'd have seen him coming from 200 yards away. But it, well, it is what it is. It, uh, shame. It, Again, shame on me. Um, Let's uh, let's do this. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk about some uh, some new products. Sound good? Awesome, man. Sounds great. Perfect. And that segment was brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy with locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas. They've been taking care of me for over a decade now. Josh and Becky, uh, I consider them great friends as well as amazing taxidermists. They offer great work, quick turnaround time, and they answer the phone when you call. They've got locations in Marion and San Antonio. And you can find them at gr8mounts.com. We'll be right back with more from Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Whether you're headed to the lake for crappie, the coast for redfish, or trying to put your tag on that big gobbler this spring, don't let your truck tank your next trip. Third Coast Diesels does it all. From maintenance to repairs to full diesel rebuilds, any accessory on any truck, doesn't matter. They also do lifts, wheels, tires, hell, you name it, Third Coast Diesel does it. Call David Boone at 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com. With city life seemingly getting crazier by the minute, the thought of moving out to the country is looking more appealing than ever. And Foster Farm and Ranch has been recognized as one of the nation's top ranch brokerages the past two years. They have listings in 22 counties and counting and are truly a statewide entity. Foster represents buyers and sellers from all walks of life. Farmers, ranchers, hunters, doctors, lawyers, investors, and possibly you. You can find them on Facebook, Foster Farm and Ranch, or Instagram, at Foster Ranch Sales. Of course, fosterfarmandranch.com, the website, or call chat at 830-776-3605. 
In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com today. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Uh, we are still visiting with our good friend Mark Boardman over at Vortex Optics. Before we get back into that conversation, this segment brought to you by Timber Creek Outdoors and the AR-15 Enforcer Kit. I just put one on my uh, 224 Valkyrie. It is bad to the bone. Uh, customized in the color that I wanted, like a hunter green it features high-end performance parts and jaw-dropping looks. It's perfect for the sportsmen, competitors, firearm enthusiasts, and people who trust their lives to their equipment. When combined together, these parts improve usability, ergonomics, and dependability. You can find the Enforcer Kit at TimberCreekOutdoors.com. Well, let's get back into it here with Mark Boardman, who was nice enough to stick around through the break. Appreciate that, my friend. No, man, I always love chatting, hunting, hunting, fishing, optics, man. That's, uh, that's like my favorite thing. So you don't gotta, you gotta, you don't have to talk me into that. So you mentioned fishing. Um, I feel like this is the, like the dead part of the year. Like, I think there's two really big lulls, like February in between deer season and turkey season firing up. And then I think like June and July are like, you know, it's really, those are the times when I do more fishing than anything else. Cause you know, we still always have hogs to hunt in Texas. So we're kind of blessed in that manner, but, uh, what were you fishing for in Alaska? So, yeah, uh, my buddy, Robbie's got a super nice boat up there actually. So he's why he's up there is he's a fishing guide in, mm. in the kind of spring summer. So he's up there, uh, just grinding and man, he is surgical when it comes to fishing for King salmon, other salmon, bottom fish. So, um, he's got it dialed. So, um, we did a little bit of salmon fishing. We caught some black rock fish. Uh, we caught some shrimp while we were up there. We, you know, dumped the shrimp pots. And, and, uh, so we, we, uh, oh, we nice. ate like kings while we were in the field, which was like pretty awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah. So if anybody needs actually a fishing trip up North, man, check out Prince of Wales sport fishing, uh, with, with Rob Ensley, man, he, I'll, I'll plug him. That's an advertisement, but I, I'm serious, man. Like he, he's good. Like he's, he's got a dial for sure. And so when you're back home in Wisconsin, what do you, what do you typically fish for in the spring and summer? So walleye? here, I mean, yes, yeah, a little bit of walleye fishing. Um, you know, if I'm being quite honest, like I don't hit it that hard with, with the girls. Now I've got two, two girls, you know, they're five and seven. So we'll go, you know, harass the bluegills a little bit uh -huh. and things like that. Yeah, uh, same here. Yeah. Uh, the Wisconsin river is not too far away from here. And that's kind of like definitely a, uh, you know, a multi-species smorgasbord, you know, you can, yeah, I catch, it's got a little bit of everything. It's got a walleye, smallmouth, uh, sheephead, you know, all, all sorts of stuff in there. So probably different than your, the sheephead that you guys have. Where yeah. You're I was at. about to say sheep's head is a freaking saltwater fish with big old ugly teeth that, uh, but not like the sharp teeth, like the look like, um, 
kind of like, like they've the, got dentures or something you know it's like <laughs> are those are they are they kind of like black and white striped yeah so, that's them uh -huh. yeah uh -huh. mm -hmm. so these one uh i think they, they call them sheep sheep head or sheep's head a freshwater drum they get called okay. they're like they're more of like a really silver fish like a gasper goo um, uh man i, I think that's like that. a southern term we use for those okay off yeah. the look what'd you call that a gasper goo i'm gonna i'm gonna look that up when we're done um <laughs> yeah. but i think you know a lot of people think that they're not like a really edible fish they're kind of considered a trash fish like throw it back like oh, oh yeah, that's a gasper goo for sure um i don't know man they're like you clean them right there's there's some good really good tasting you know mm. white flaky meat on there so yeah i think um uh, Jim and I actually fished, uh, caught a bunch of them with a guy on the Mississippi, uh, probably last year, maybe it was even this time of year. Um, and even some good size one, but you get, you get that bloodline out of it. You get the, uh, kind of like that, um, layer of kind of like the, the darker meat or whatever that's, you know, under the, uh, right under the skin. If, if you trim them up and you don't really have to be like super liberal, you just have to be kind of cognizant to get those things off. I don't know, man. I'd be I'd be hard pressed to tell the difference between that and you know a walleye or something else. They're they're pretty darn close. Maybe not as good, but they're also not that far off. So right. Well, if they're a drum species, uh, it's so crazy because we consider saltwater drum species like wonderful table fare, um, redfish, black drum, and then you look at freshwater and people are like, I'm not going to eat that. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i don't know why that is but that's just the mentality um so i'd say yeah i don't know when people throw those back i'm like cool more for me so right right well lots of exciting stuff um in the works for vortex and let's start with the uh the vortex edge because we actually haven't talked about that on the show before so yeah uh vortex edge so we're super blessed um and just to have the facility that we have here uh which we're actually in the process of even expanding right now so from uh you know from a, i guess a structure standpoint we have a hundred yard uh multi-bay indoor range uh which is you know one of the few in the country and it's just it's state of the art you've got um you know targets movable targets you can run them fore and aft you can spin the targets uh, you can, you can do just a little bit about, uh, everything on there. So, and actually, excuse me, I'm sorry. I was talking about the 50 yard range there. So the hundred yard range is, is a, is a static range, but it's still one of the few hundred yard, uh, ranges, uh, you know, available. And it, and it is just an, an awesome facility. Then we have the 50, which I was kind of just describing, right. uh, where, where you have the, you know, you've got the, the mobile targets, it's a dynamic range. So you can shoot from, you know, essentially anywhere on the range, as long as you have the scenario set up safely, um, so we do lots of trainings at both that are, that are open to the public. We do a lot of law enforcement training and things like that, but we also have a lot of classes that are open to the public as well. So if a person, you know, wants to take, um, you know, maybe they just bought a new pistol, but they're not super familiar with it and they want to be able to learn how to use it safely and responsibly, you know, we have courses geared towards that. And we have courses geared towards people that are, you know, maybe, you know, beyond that, uh, you know, and, and uh, pistol classes, carbine classes. Uh, we have an outdoor facility where we can do long range work where I think we can shoot out to, you know, um, uh, you know, close to 1200 yards there. Hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, then we have the, uh, the Virtua system, which is uh, kind of like a, a 300 degree, almost like video wall system where the, um, where the trainers can 
pretty much dial up a multitude of uh, scenarios uh, where it could be like, you know, maybe it's, it's a robbery or something like this. And it's almost like in some ways it's like a choose your own adventure where the person oh. died, um, you know, number one, am I, am I going to engage, you know, should I engage? When do I engage? Uh, and then based on the decisions they make through that process, that kind of shifts the, uh, the outcomes. So it's, it's really interesting. And it's an, it's an awesome training tool. And I'm probably not doing it the justice that, you know, one of the instructors could give it, but it just offers, um, people who need that kind of training to put themselves in those types of scenarios. So when hopefully they're not, but if they are presented with that real life scenario, it's kind of like they've been there before and they know how to react and what to do. So all of that sounds awesome. And uh, I'm looking forward. I think I'm coming up at the end of August. Middle of August. I can't wait. It's yeah. going to be a blast, man. It's going to be for a blast. myself. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So if you are just, you know, a member of the public and you want to experience it, it's uh, just go to the Vortex Edge website or what? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, yeah, you can look for a you know, list of available classes. Obviously, you can give us a shout. We can kind of talk you through like each class, what which ones you know, may be the best fit for you. And then obviously, you know, you got the schedule there and, and can can look at when they're going to take place. But um, yeah, lots of really good classes. Um, and uh, I think just about anybody can benefit from them. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's like 8 million first time gun owners now because of uh, the pandemic and social unrest and everything, those people need some training. And a lot of the, a lot of the training facilities were closed during COVID. So you have all these people that bought guns that don't know what they're doing. I'm glad they bought them. Right. I would much rather have more people owning guns than less people, uh, law abiding citizens anyway. But you know, certainly there's a, there's a, um, a vacuum there. That's like, Hey, there's, there's people that need the training that, that don't know what they're doing. So hopefully they're investing in that as well. Yeah. And I, yeah, I would encourage anybody that is out there, you know, we can all, we can all learn something. I mean, heck, you know, I mean, oh, for sure. know, going back to like the pistol stuff, like if I was going to pick one thing that I'm less familiar with, you know, that's going to be the pistol. If I was going to pick here. one thing, that's going to be like my EDC, which you're going to have with you, like all the time, it's probably going to be a pistol. Right. So like you said, I mean, you, you definitely want to get trained up on that and probably the hardest thing, to learn and also even just from a safety component is the pistol. Right. So, and I think that's what probably a lot of people purchase. So um, yeah. And there's, you know, not once you learn kind of the, those basics and things like that, you know, then it becomes, you know, more fun too. So you probably person's more inclined to be like, Oh, I don't just need this just for something goes bad. Like I enjoy shooting this thing. This thing is fun. You know, maybe I want to do some sort of, uh, competition shooting event, or, uh, that's, that's my hope with all this is a lot of folks who maybe not were less familiar with firearms, get familiar with firearms and go, or get more familiar now. I mean, if they already have one, but you know, and they go, Oh, wow, these things, these things are awesome. These things can be fun. If I'm using it, you know, safely and responsibly, uh, it's, uh, it's more than just, uh, you know, some sort of insurance. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, you know, it's like my wife, um, She's only ever shot handguns with me one time. And I was like, I can teach you how to do it. You know, she's like, what are you, some pro? And I was like, 
uh, no. She's like, well, then <laughs> I don't really, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in that. So that was, all. and she's had her purse stolen out of her shopping cart in a parking lot. I'm like, the first person that should be carrying would be someone that's had that happen to him. But oh my no, gosh. Just, but if she just was, you know, had had that a little bit of training or familiarized herself with with handguns a little bit more, she'd be comfortable with it. So. For sure. And I can't, you know, of course, you know, I work at Vortex and I'm, you know, I'm plugging these guys, but um, I cannot say enough about the instructors. I mean, they truly are pros. They know what they're doing um, and they know how to teach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely not something to be um, no matter your experience level, you know, I mean, there'll be, you, it's nothing to be intimidated by, I guess. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that reminded me of one other thing, you know, t-bone turner from bone collector oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so kind of in the same vein as my wife being like no i don't want you to teach me how to shoot a handgun um we were at this archery shoot charity event and i'm there like trying to get my wife to shoot a bow at uh, cinnamon creek ranch and she's just not receptive at all t-bone walks up and and she's like he can show me how (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so T-Bone, it's always funny. He reminds me. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I remember I, sh- I I taught your wife how to shoot a bow, but she wouldn't <laughs> listen to you. Yeah. So there's a running theme in my marriage, you can tell. Um, we also want to talk about the Venom, which I've got right here, which I, which I love this scope. It's a uh, 5 to 25 by 56, and this is brand new. It just came out, like, what, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a this is an interesting thing i think and you can tell me obviously being in the industry but are 34 millimeter tubes be just becoming more popular you know so i'd say yes as long range precision has mm-hmm. gotten more popular you're seeing you know more of these scopes with a larger larger tube diameter and, and what that essentially is giving the scope you know from a functionality perspective is within that tube there's you know the internal erector system right so that's kind of what's going up down left right when you're adjusting your turrets so you know kind of the the, all things being equal the more room you have for that to move the more travel that you have when you adjust your elevation turret or or your windage turret but i'd say predominantly in long range you know you're thinking your elevation right Mm -hmm. so you can dial you know you can dial that longer range shot if you had a, a smaller diameter tube you'd run out of room and it'd be like well I'd like to dial for that thousand yard shot, but right. I've, I've run out of room. Yeah. Okay. So that explains the 34 uh, millimeter tube. And this thing is essentially for long range um, shooters or hunters and at a price point, that's not going to break the bank. I think it's MSRP is like six ninety nine. Y- yeah. And I think street price, you're probably talking about the $500 mark, but it is, I mean, I've run that scope a lot. Actually, Jim and I have upcoming a, uh, a beautiful uh, optic. It, yeah, I mean, it's like it, it's it's it really is a killer optic. Like you said it's got a it's got a five to twenty five, you know, five x zoom range. It's first focal plane, fifty six millimeter objective, thirty four millimeter tube. It tracks unbelievably well. So you've got you know exposed turrets for for dialing your elevation. Um, optically it does really 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 well um i mean it's definitely a scope that i you know i'm confident saying it outperforms its price point um almost like it's it's a little bit scary actually i mean it, it is a really really cool scope for what a person has into it and 
like I started to talk about a minute ago, Jim and I have an upcoming uh, match, uh, long range match that we're going to uh, participate in. And that's what we threw on both of our guns, you know, and, and my gun is probably, you know, pretty, pretty super Gucci high end gun that, that we built in a kind of uh, for the purpose of like a, a previous uh, piece of content that we produced. And his is a little bit more, uh, you know, budget conscious, definitely not budget rifle, but um, man, we taught both of our guns with that. We've been shooting those rifle scopes and it's not, not once I've been like, well, you know, if I would have had this other one, then I'm like, no, this works pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. So what uh, caliber do you shoot long range? So both of our guns are, uh, they're just six, five Creedmoors, you know, pretty, pretty standard, you know, which is like crazy. It was, you know, the new hot thing, you know, 10 years ago and now it's like vanilla ice cream, but, uh, but, but yeah, but it's know. still like what there's still this culture of like six, five douche more, or like, well, I don't know what it is. Like what, what I have one, I shoot, I, it's my, my hog and coyote gun. I got a suppressor on it. Love it. Um, drop. I mean, compared to like shooting a two, two, three at a hog where sometimes the bullet you kill the first one so let's just apply it to thermal hunting right okay that's what we do in texas a lot of times yep. at night first one's dead you shoot it in the head but then it's just putting pinholes in these things as they're running off well that's with a you know 55 grain bullet now you've got 120 grain 65 creed more around and things are dropping right there so that's yep. i like to change and and certainly see a um, application for the 65 in in the hunting world um obviously it's a great round for long range competitive shooting as well. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, I think we're set, you know, people love to hate on got it. A or, bad rap, know, though. <laughs> people like I mean, you got people that are in the corner of like, it's, you know, it's the best thing ever, you know, and then you got the other people that, you know, or other folks, you know, some folks that, you know, they, they love to hate on it. And I just think it's a really cool little efficient cartridge and it's really yeah. not that little, you get to push a pretty, pretty big pill, you know, moderately fast and it shoots slippery bullets that perform well at long range. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot to be said for it personally. Now, what's the biggest also, grain bullet you've seen? Is it 147, 143, somewhere in that range? So, yeah, I think I've shot like some, um, uh, 143, like, um, uh, EL, ELDXs out yeah. of it and things okay. like that. Uh, I, I think where, I think where people start, you know, it's not magic, you know, and I think, you know, some people think it's just like this, this magic cartridge. I mean, it's, it's a really cool little efficient cartridge that you can definitely do a lot with. I've shot a handful of deer with it. I killed an odd ad with it. Um, but you don't fit the bill of the, speaking of bill of the, the typical six, five Creedmoor Western guy. Well, you live in Wisconsin, so you're not Western, but if you're, if the brim of your hat was just a little flatter, you know, <laughs> it would go well with the six, five Creedmoor. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got a nice curve there like i do on our, our vortex yeah, tabs. It, give it, you know, just a little bit you know just yeah, to remind yeah. you that it's there but um i don't i don't hate it i think it's a great cartridge i think it's you know it's super i just think it's funny to to to, to some to pick which side you want to be on on that day and just be like so this day i'm going to kick it this day i'm going to defend it because there are so many people because i'm i'm uh indifferent really you know but there but there are like you said there's the love it and then there's the hate it crowd so uh, now I wouldn't take it elk hunting. I think that that's silly when I have a 300 win mag sitting in the safe, but some people do. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's just being, you know, cognizant of, you know, being maybe uh, I think you should always be selective of your shot choice. I think where maybe, um, you know, and I'm a big fan of the 300s. I shoot a 300 WSM a lot for mm -hmm. a lot of things. That's kind of my do all killing stick. If you told me to pick one 
big game cartridge. That's probably what I would personally pick. Uh, I just like it a lot and have had a lot of success and, and have confidence in it. Um, you know, sometimes your shot angle isn't perfect or sometimes your shot isn't perfect or sometimes you have, uh, you, you know, for reasons X, Y, Z, you need to take a follow-up shot that maybe isn't the best angle. And, you know, sometimes a little bit bigger pill with a little bit more gas is going to, you know, accomplish that task better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that said though, like I said, I've, I've knocked a lot of things down with that six, five Creed and it, it, it does really well at the same time, but, um, I don't know. There's a lot of great cartridges out there. I like breaking shoulders though on big game animals. So, I mean, that's why I like, that's why I like the 300. You know, yep. I'm, yep. I'm not afraid to shoot through an elk or a moose or you, I mean, you name it, you're, you them and square in that front shoulder and it's lights out. They're not yep. going anywhere. No. Nope. Um, now, also one other thing, though, we need to mention, and I'm super excited about this. I've got the app downloaded now, is the Fury HD 5000 AB. And this thing is like having, I mean, your dope chart in your binos, essentially. Yes. Yeah, that, that is a really, really cool optic. Uh, you know, as the name implies, 5,000 yards capable, you know, max reflective range on there. Um, that's probably, you know, a little bit further than I'll probably hunt with, but, uh, so, <laughs> uh, no, uh, you've got a six, five cream more. What are you talking about? Oh, that's about? true. My <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, this is, it's going to do a really good job with ranging and, you know, it gives you ranges fast. It's got the, uh, you know, the, the onboard applied ballistics, uh, f- uh, functionality there. So like you said, it's like having a real time you know, once, once you get all your, your data input into the unit, um, you know, it's like having a real time dope chart to the yard, to where you're standing, you know, the, the, the elevation that you're at, it's got, um, you know, onboard environmental sensors on it. You know, you've got the full applied ballistic suite of bullets that you can select the bullet, uh, that, that, um, that you're using. Uh, and it's, it's a robust, you know, selection of bullets that a person can choose from, you know, the handful that I've plugged in have, have been in there. Right. So you've got mm-hmm. that applied ballistics, uh, curve in there, which is just like almost like a custom BC. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, it, it's cool. I mean, you, you range it and it spits out your ballistic solution and, you know, dial and hold dead on and, and make a good squeeze and let her rip. So it's, um, it's, it just, it's just really, really accurate. And it just gives you just that ultra accurate ballistic solution um, and fast, right? You know, mm-hmm. you're not checking a dope chart that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you set your, your temperature for your dope chart that you have taped to your stock, which actually I still do as a backup, right? Not that I've ever needed it when I've been using the Fury, but um, I still do because I'm all about redundancies. But um, man, it's just like, it does save you time. And I, and I know for a fact, there's animals that I would have been able to take had I had that system versus a different system, just because it was, you know, a couple, couple seconds made the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about that, that I brought up this terrible memory in my head of, uh, well, it wasn't terrible, but it was, it was just a missed I'm opportunity. Sorry I brought you back to that place. No, that's too. okay. I mean, I actually, I made a good decision, um, but I was hunting mule deer in West Texas at big old muleys there, but very sparse population, like 
I think we hunted. It was a five-day hunt. I think I saw three bucks, but on wow. the last day, I saw a 200-plus incher, and he was sitting in the sun, standing in the sun on a bowl. It was we're driving because we basically would drive through these canyons. There's no roads up there in these mountains. The mountains are four or five thousand feet tall, um, but you're just driving through the basically the bottoms of them, and we just stop and glass and glass and glass, just glass for hours and hours and hours. And finally, we just we drive into this canyon, and we see this this buck over there. And um, my gun, I had a 308 on that hunt, and I had slid down some rocks, and we took the gun to the range and shot it. And it was way off. Um, and so, you know, it was the gun got basically essentially the just gun had gotten dropped and was like, all right, well, the, the guy was like, you can shoot my 300 wind mag. I was like, okay, cool. So I'm, I'm sitting there looking at this deer and it's a throw it up on the hood of the truck type of deal. Not just not, not take a rush shot, but he's like, yeah, he's five. I think he said he's five seventy. Mm-hmm. And at the time I'd never shot I never even attempted a shot at 570 yards, especially on an animal. And I was like, well, you know, where do you want me to put it? You know, how, how, how sure are you that it's 570? He's like, just put it on that. Just put it over his back. And just let it rip. And I'm like, uh, I was like, no, I think I'm good, man. I said, we can try to get closer. If he busts us, he busts us. And it was the last day of the hunt. And I had to get on a plane the next morning. I'm thinking, you know what? If I wound this thing, I'm going to be sick about it. And then I'm going to have to cancel my flight. And then my wife's going to kill me. And it's just going to be one. It's, it's one bad decision is going to lead to, a litany of bad outcomes. Yeah. So I didn't shoot, but man, I have never seen another 200 inch mule deer. (laughs) (laughs) That is, I mean, you made a very responsible, you know, hard decision to make in the moment, right? Like you're amped up, you're excited. You've been hunting all week. It's what you've been looking for your whole life. You know I mean? Holy man. I've never, I've never, I don't think I've even seen 200 inch deer, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but that, that's the right call. But like you said, now, if I'd have had this. that theory, maybe <laughs> like, dude, like I nearly guarantee hundred percent different outcome, Yeah, you know, yeah. like you're uh, the, 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 the term, just put it over his back and send it. I was just like, uh. so, <laughs> what? he, he actually apologized to me because he got, he kind of got mad that I wouldn't take the shot. And, um, before I left, he was like, I'm sorry, man, that's so impressional. He's like, I just, we, I paid a lot of money for this, this lease and we haven't killed a nice buck off of it this year. And I just hate passing up on the opportunity, but you know, you made the right call for you. So, well, you know, I mean, I never lost sleep over it Yeah, in in a bad way. I still think about, I still, I still dream about what just that buck just sitting there in the sun, just the sun, just his antlers, just shining like a beacon of shoot me. And no, just (laughs) there'll be another one someday. I fingers crossed. No, I mean, you, you hundred percent made the right call and you know, like you said, any number of outcomes you could have just missed, but man, you know, if, if you made a bad hit and lost it, you'd be kicking yourself 10,000 times more, you know? Oh, yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. And I, I would, I've never said that outfitter's name on the air, but I haven't ever recommended him to anyone else. Um, <laughs> it was, there was, there was five of us on the hunt and that was the only opportunity, like, you can call it an opportunity. It was a marginal one, marginal one at best, but mm-hmm. that was the only one that uh, we had. So I don't know when I say the the deer population was pretty sparse. I mean, it was, I don't even think they should have been hunting that place. Um, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, big fan of the Fury HD 5000 AB. Uh, these are expensive. You're getting a lot for your dollar. 
like we just talked about. It will pair with those third-party devices that a person, if that's what they want to use, mm -hmm. certainly can. Um, or you can use the unit on its own. And it's got, you know, like I said, it's got that AB functionality. You can select those AB curves. You can, um, it's got the environmental sensors. So it's going to give you, you know, your pressures and your temps and your things like yeah. that. And the cool thing is, is, you know, and this is during more of the setup process, but you pair it with the Fury app, right? So you input all these things on your phone. <clears throat> once they're, once you got it dialed into the unit, which you can have, up to three different rifles in there at a time. So you could have, you know, three different, um, you know, if you had like, if you had a six, five Creedmoor for, for instance, and your 300, you know, it'd just be a matter of entering the data, you select the one that you want and, and go on your way. But once you do that, you don't need your phone anymore. You can, you know, I don't think anybody really leaves their phone at home, but like, man, once it's in the unit, it's in the unit and, you know, zap that range, get that solution, dial it, you're good to go. Yeah. Well, now all my Onyx stuff is on my phone. So it's like, we're getting smarter. Like, okay, now we've got all of this technology in these binos. Now we've got our GPS, our Onyx, our maps all on our phone. So like, I don't even, the only Garmin thing I'm taking into the woods is the inReach. So I can yep. let people know I'm not eaten by a grizzly bear. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty crazy. And, and like you said, I mean, you know, those furies, are they you know, a chunk of change. Yeah. But it's like, Oh, well, you've got your binoculars, you've got your range finding, you've got your ballistic. There's definitely a lot of functionality and tech built into that unit where, you know, if you parted that out and was like, and we're like, well, I'm going to carry these three separate things. Like it kind of all starts to come out in the wash, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I'm a big fan of them. Um, certainly looking forward to taking them to New Mexico, uh, coming up here in September and Oh, I'm going to take them to We've got Africa before that going back to Africa oh. in July. So, and nice. we do uh, the opportunities for long range shots are abundant there. So yeah, that's going to be cool. Forgot about that. That's our makeup trip from last year. Gotcha. From, uh, COVID. But, uh, but yeah. Um, well, Mark, always a pleasure, my friend. Congrats on the black bear. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, it's always fun, man. So yeah, whenever we get a chance to talk, whether it's on air or off the air, man, I truly enjoy it. So appreciate you. Likewise. Well, thanks again, and we will do, we'll do it again soon, I'm sure. Awesome. Thanks, Cable. So there he goes, our good buddy, Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics. Always enjoy visiting with Mark. That segment brought to you by a Texas tradition like none other. All seasons, feeders, blinds, and hey, it's backyard barbecue time, baby, and they've got a full lineup of pellet grills and smokers. I've got one on the patio been cooking ribs. Um, one of my favorite things is stuffed bell peppers with uh, ground venison. Mm, tough to beat. Uh, but whatever you fancy, throw it on the All Seasons and let it rip. You can find everything you need at allseasonsfeeders.com. Unfortunately, just looking at the clock here, we got to go. Got to get out of here. Oh, quick reminder. I almost forgot. I'll be out at the Ducks Unlimited DU Expo. It's taking place at Texas Motor Speedway in North Texas all weekend. Uh, I think today it's from noon to six and Sunday noon to five. So be sure to, to check that out. If you're in the area, it is going to be epic as the uh, waterfowling world converges here in North Texas for this uh, one of a kind event. And uh, you can find me at the Kent cartridge booth, by the way, if you want to come say hi, love to visit with you. Uh, thanks to both of our guests, Representative Tom Oliverson, as well as Mark Boardman. Appreciate their contributions to today's broadcast. 
Thanks to you guys and gals, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Still doing time in a honky-tonk prison. Still doing time where a man ain't forgiven. I put hard.